Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. A horrific murder has people asking, not me, I, I don't agree with this, but, but does have people asking, is it okay to murder some children? <laughs> Again, I'm saying the answer is no. Fascinating article, and we'll take a look at it. And then we end the week by taking a look at the story of a young boy who begins to see the future in his dreams. When the real world begins to perfectly match his dreams, can he fight the future? Can he prevent his own death? Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Gardner. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. I hope you guys have some awesome plans for the weekend we got a ton of stuff to cover so walking into dead rabbit command right now is one of our thanksgiving live stream contributors everyone get on your feet and give it up for corbin's channel Woohoo! yeah come on in corbin's channel walk all the way in vhf uhf we don't know what channel you are but you are welcome at dead rabbit command Longtime supporter of the show corbin's channel you're going to be our captain or pilot this episode. If you guys can't support the show financially, I totally understand. I really, really, really do. Just help spread the word about the show. That helps out so much. That's another way you can help the show grow. Corbins, let's go ahead and toss you the hair hang glider. We're going to jump off the highest point of Dead Rabbit Command. Glide us all the way out to Illinois. Specifically, we're headed to River Grove, Illinois. It's June 2013. And in River Grove, there's an apartment complex. And at this apartment complex lives the Sportalakis family. The Sportalakis family, as it's probably correctly pronounced, the Sportalakis family is currently undergoing some life stressors, to put it mildly. Dorothy... The mother is trying to take care of her 14-year-old son, Alex. But Alex has been diagnosed with severe autism. He requires around-the-clock care. And things have gotten so bad that the police have been called to the residence several times. He's combative. Plus, you know, he's a 14-year-old boy. He's physically strong. And sometimes they just can't handle him. Even though you have Dorothy living there, you have his godmother who also helps take care of him, Agatha. And then the father and Alex's brother all live there as well. Alex requires around-the-clock care, and they, the family's just having a hard time dealing with him. They love him, but they're at their breaking point. Now, like I said several times, the police have been called out. Alex has been hospitalized. There's photographs of this. 
When he's hospitalized, he's taken down and he's strapped to the bed. He's restrained to the bed, and of course, that's making him panic even more. No one would want to be restrained. You lose all sense of control because you, you I mean, you literally have no control. You're, you're tied down. And his mother's watching her son in agony. He's being treated like he's a wild beast by this uncaring medical center. Well, that's how she sees it. That's not my personal opinion. That's how she sees it. And she's starting to see a future with no hope. Not just no hope for her. Not just that she's going to have to spend the rest of her life taking care of her 14-year-old son. No hope for Alex either. What chance does he have at being happy? Having a long, fulfilling life that any parent would wish for their children. Family's having a hard time with Alex. The mother is distraught. Now, the Chicago Department of Children and Family Services have reached out to the Sportalakis family. You know, they've offered their services. There are things we can do to help. This isn't... You're not alone. You're not alone. There are a lot of children like this across the state. There are a lot of children like this across the planet. So we will help you. What do you need? What do you need? We'll see what we can get you. Well, in June 2013, Dorothy decided enough was enough. And that doesn't mean that she picked up the phone and called the Department of Children and Family Services and said, okay, let's have this meeting. Let's do this. It doesn't mean that she called the police and says, I need my son to be hospitalized for however long. I'm not able to take care of him anymore. We're not able to take care of him anymore. He can't take care of himself. This is just too much. She doesn't do that. Dorothy and Agatha poison Alex. They give him a massive dose of sleeping pills. But it doesn't work. It actually very rarely works. We see that in movies. It's really hard to poison somebody. Unless it's a fast-acting drug like penicillin. Unless it's a a fast-acting drug like cyanide. Or VX nerve agent like we covered on a previous episode. They rubbed VX nerve agent all over this dude's face. You try to overdose on a lot of things, you will vomit them up before they can kill you. Not everything, though. Don't, Don't put that to a test. There's police outside. Oh, it's the Christmas parade. They do this in town. You hear that? Okay, it's going to be a couple minutes. I'm going to have to take a break here. I'll come back. Okay, I'm back. What was just a second to you? was a day for me. I ended up going to bed. So sorry if the sound changes a little bit. <laughs> we were talking about this horrific crime, and I'm like, oh, time to go to sleep. I guess we haven't gotten to the crime part yet. Oh, yeah, we did. They uh, poisoned this poor kid with sleeping pills, and that didn't work. Alex survived that. So what happened next? This is so horrible. 
This is such a horrible thing. Not a time to take a nap. What happens is later, Alex's father and Alex's uncle come home and they find Dorothy and Agatha under the influence of sleeping pills. They've actually tried overdosing on sleeping pills themselves. Even though it didn't kill Alex, that's the way they chose to go out and father and the uncle come home to two barely aware adults and Alex has been stabbed to death. He was stabbed multiple times in the chest and then his wrists were slit. He was murdered by his mother and his godmother, the people who needed to protect him. And this is where we get into this. I mean, it's a tragic true crime story undeniably tragic true crime story the way i found out about this though so fascinating i was reading an article in forbes written by emily willingham she wrote this piece for forbes and what she says is there are people out there numerous people out there who believe that when a parent or a guardian murders an autistic child it's okay. Now, now, they're not rooting for it. They're not necessarily advocating it. But when it does happen, there are groups out there that give these parents a pass. Now, Emily's not one of them. Emily's article is against this. She highlights the case of Alex, and she goes, there are groups out there that say the system is so cumbersome. The medical establishment and law enforcement, they're just this mindless bureaucracy and sometimes parents cannot deal with it and so they kill their children they kill their autistic children and there are groups that are like the poor mother to have been put in that situation in the first place that's the tragedy it's fascinating i never thought about this before and again, that's why it's important to know that there were social services trying to reach out to this family. And yet this was still the path that they took. And this is a super, super interesting quote in this article here. I want to read this section of Emily's article because basically what she's saying is, you do have these support groups that when an autistic child is murdered, they side with the parents. They side with the parents in these cases. And she says, quote, no other condition draws this kind of judgment or leads people to blame the condition, the murdered, and everyone except the murderer for killing her own child. If Alex had had Down syndrome, cancer, schizophrenia, ADHD, or a traumatic brain injury, no one would be giving his mother a pity pass for having brutally taken his life, overwhelmed by his needs. Now see, I thought nobody did this. I thought there was no condition where if you murdered your kid, you got a quote-unquote pity pass. But Emily doesn't Pretty good job laying out the argument that there are people who go, well, you know, the mother, she tried her best. And when the best wasn't good enough, what else could she do but murder her child? Apparently, 
part of this, not all, not everyone who agrees with it's okay. And again, it's not, it's not that it's okay to murder an autistic children in their view, but when it does happen, they go, well, she was just so put upon this poor mother. What else, what else could she do? She tried everything. Part of the people who argue that are the people who believe that vaccines cause autism. Not all of them, but some of them. So they blame that. See, they have that viewpoint. This child would have been perfectly fine had he not gotten vaccinated. Interesting, right? We're, we're rolling back into that. We're rolling back into that conspiracy theory. And, and those people are like, well, what, what, what do you expect when you have this profit-driven medical industry, this soulless, corporate-run healthcare? They vaccinated him in the first place. He got autism, and then the mother couldn't deal with him, and the mother killed him. It's not her fault. It's fascinating. I actually thought there would be no cases where anyone would argue on behalf of the murderer. I mean, there are times... Like, you read the article about, like, the the elderly couple where the, the woman has cancer, and the husband kills her and then kills himself. I mean, again, I'm not advocating that. We see those as tragic. It's always tragic. There was a CBS News report that called Dorothy a, quote, desperate mother, unquote. So again, it's kind of framing that. It's framing that passage. Now, Emily does say, listen, because I, I think some readers reached out to her and she said, you do also see this for parents of children with advanced cerebral palsy, but would they get the pity pass? Would they get the desperate mother coinage? by the CBS News. Now, I read up, I read Emily's article, I found it super fascinating, then I went back, because this story's a couple years old. I go, well, let's see. Let's see what the penalty was for Dorothy and Agatha. Remember, they, I mean, this is premeditated all the way. They tried to poison him with sleeping pills. When that didn't work, they stabbed him four times in the chest and then slit his wrists. Premeditated murder. Premeditated murder was dropped down to involuntary manslaughter. Both these adults got time served. That was it. Three years, they were in jail during the court process. They got involuntary manslaughter, time served, both set free. It's a tragic story. It's a horrifying story. Do I think these two people are going to go out and murder again? No. Do I think they're a danger to the community? No. Well, uh, maybe, maybe, maybe that's the second part. Who knows? But the concern is, is that people see this now as an out. People who see this case may think, well, I can do that. And it goes from being a story of Dorothy and Agatha to a Casey Anthony type person who has a child who's mildly autistic, and she has other reasons for wanting to get rid of her kid. So, I don't know. I mean, you can slippery slope anything. It's a tragic story, and it's so, so interesting to find there are support groups out there. Again, it's not like there's... It's not like the support group is Kill Your Kid Incorporated, but when this happens, they back the parents. And it's more about the condition 
and the murder victim and their behavior than the murderer and their behavior. It's absolutely fascinating subculture within a subculture. And who knows where this will end? Like, who knows how far this will spread out? I, I know there, I remember there was that case of like, there was that famous true crime case, which I'll put it in the show notes, of a guy who killed his wife sleepwalking. And he had been having trouble sleepwalking his entire life. And he was acting out in his dreams. And he's, he accidentally killed his wife. He was sleepwalking. And that, there, there is the theory that you started after that became a known event. You started having more people claiming to kill people in their sleep. I mean, it's not a super common defense. But since then, there have been other people who've been like, oh, I didn't mean to kill my wife. I was simply sleepwalking. Because you can look at that now and you just want to get rid of your wife. You might have a, a mild sleep disorder. You just want to get rid of your wife. And what's interesting is that it worked the first time because there was like years of documented treatment, but the subsequent ones, it didn't. They were found guilty for murder. The one guy murdered his wife in his sleep and then washed his hands. And they, I think he got rid of his bloody clothing. And the, the cops were like, okay, you might have murdered your wife in your sleep. That's tragic. But the, the hiding the evidence part, you're probably awake for that. Corbin's channel. Corbin's like, I have to be on that episode. That was super depressing. Corbin's channel. Let's go ahead and toss you the keys to the Carpenter Copter. We are leaving behind Illinois. Fly us all the way out to a middle school. We're going to this middle school. We don't have an exact location. This story was posted online by someone who goes by the name Lazar Yeet Meta. We're going to go ahead and call him Jim. Jimmy's in the seventh grade. He just transferred schools and things are not going well at all. Yo, Jimmy, that's a lame name. What? Oh, man. I, that's the principal. That's what the principal yelled at him when he was starting his first day of school. Jimmy sucks. Jimmy sucks. Jimmy is walking around school and he is instantly targeted. As this is the guy to bully. Everyone bully this dude. Yo, Jimmy, after school, I'm going to beat you up. Oh, no, I hope school never ends. And the teacher's like, extra school. Because that's what Jimmy wants. Everyone's all, boo, boo. Now we're going to beat him up twice after school. Ah. The bullying had become not physical just yet, but people were threatening to beat him up. And he's like, I don't want to go to school anymore, man. This totally sucks. I transferred schools, and it's like a war zone. I have no idea where he went. I don't know if he went to the school from Dangerous Minds or the Substitute or something like that. Well, one night, Jimmy is deep asleep, and he has a dream that he's at school. <laughs> he's like, oh, man, why can't I have been in the Unicorn Glen again? He has a dream that he's in school and he's sitting in his math class and he has a substitute for math and he's kind of sitting there. <sighs> this sucks. This worst dream. He has dream homework now. He's like, oh man. Then he goes to PE and when he's in the PE class, the other students are cussing at him. Things are really getting out of hand and then eventually a student throws a punch 
because he'd never been physically hit at this new school, in the dream, he gets punched and then pummeled. Jimmy, in the middle of the he gets beat up. So he's a little apprehensive about going to school the next day. And he has to, right? That's part of life. You gotta go to school. He goes to school. Just get, he's happy that he just gets threatened. He doesn't get beat up. But then, when he goes to bed that night, he has a dream. He's at school. He's sitting in his math class, and there's a substitute. And then he goes to P.E. The other students start cussing him out. And then, whap! He gets punched and then beat up. He has this dream in total four times. In a row. Four nights in a row he has this dream. And on the fifth day, he goes to school, walks into his math class, and there's a substitute teacher there. Now, he doesn't specifically say it's the exact same person he saw in his dream. But it was a substitute. His regular math teacher wasn't there. He goes into math class, there's a substitute there. Next, he goes to P.E. People start cussing at him. He's like, "Uh uh-oh, I know where this is going to go. Bap! He gets punched. Then he gets beat up. The first punch... In a way, he knew was coming, right? He'd been through this four times before. He gets punched. He begins to get beat up. And at that point, he realizes, like, you could chalk it up to maybe just a coincidence that you had a substitute in math class. Him getting cussed at PE was nothing new. But now that he's getting beat up, he's he's laying on the ground in the fetal position. He's going, hmm, this is quite familiar. Maybe I saw the future in my dreams. And they're like, quit pontificating. They're punching him even harder. He's like, ah. He said this happened in total during his time at middle school six or seven times. Not six or seven more dreams. Six or seven more times did he have the same dream over and over and over again. And then he would eventually go to school And the day at school would perfectly mimic his dream. He knew exactly what was coming. And each time, it was him getting beat up. The dream ended with him getting beat up. And that day where he goes to school and every detail is exactly the same, he gets beat up. And he says, here's the thing. I I tried my best. Now that I had a clear idea that I was, for whatever reason, he says, I don't know how this happened. I was able to predict the future. I was able to have a dream, and then the day would start off. I'd have this dream multiple times in a row. And then the day would come that when I got to school, I knew this was the real-life version of the dream. And so he'd get beat up, and then some time would pass, and then he would have a dream where he'd get beat up at school, and then he'd have the dream the next night, and he's like, oh no, this is going to happen again. And so he started to try to change events, because he saw the future so clearly, he goes, I, 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 I don't want to get beat up. So, so how do I prevent that? Now I remember in the dream, this happened, this happened, this happened, I will do something different. But no matter what he changed, he would still be forced into the 
position where he would get beat up. There was no way out. So he might be able to change key details. Let's say that he was having the dream. He didn't use this example, but let's say he's having the dream. And in the dream, he gets up to use the bathroom in the middle of social studies. And then he comes back to class. And when he walks right through the door, the bully who's going to beat him up later starts yelling at him. And that's what sparks everything. So after school, as he's getting his backpack, the bully beats him up. Jimmy would go, well, I just won't go to the bathroom. I will sit in my social studies class. I'm going to hold it in. So I will prevent me from coming in through the door so the bully won't yell at me in the first place. I'll just be sitting here in the classroom. Now, again, he doesn't give that specific example, but that's kind of what he's saying. But this is what would happen. He would be sitting in the classroom. He would say, I'm not going to go to the bathroom. He's like, I probably shouldn't have eaten that Taco Bell before school. That's complicating this whole thing. I'm not going to go to the bathroom. I'm going to hold it in as much as I can. But for whatever reason, even if he didn't come in the door and draw the bully's attention to him and start yelling at him, he'd be sitting there in the classroom. He would try to have changed the events and the bully would find something else to yell at him about. Hey, who's pooping over there? Who's pooping? Who's pooping in that seat? Ah, it was me. He couldn't change the events. Of course, he kept pleading, I don't want to go to school today. I don't want to go to school today because this is the day I'm probably going to get beat up. I've had this dream multiple times in a row, but that's not going to work either, right? Unless unless your parent is a firm believer in the paranormal and or you've helped them win several lottery drawings, go to school, Jimmy. Go to school. Oh, you you and your fear of getting beaten up at school. Uh, You got to go there. I've won all the lottery money. We can pay for your medical bills. Go to school. And he said this happened overall six to seven times throughout his middle school life and could never change it. He could never change it. He'd go to school. He'd get beat up. The idea of premonition in dreams is a fascinating one. A lot of people make those connections. And if that was the end of the story, it's still a fascinating look at the idea of Are our dreams more than just neurons firing and us making sense of the images? But in high school, Jimmy had a different dream. A more alarming dream. You get beat up at school. Listen, I got beat up and I beat people up. That's just the way of the world. That's just the way the school system works. In America, at least, during the 80s it did. I don't know about nowadays, but... Is whatever, right? You come home with a black eye, your parents get mad, call the other parent, and that was it. No big deal. But this next, this next dream's a bit of a bit of a, a big deal. This next dream, you definitely, it's a little more than just, you know, wearing sunglasses the next day to school. Jimmy, who has had multiple dreams that have foretold the future now, he's in high school. He has this dream that he's in his favorite teacher's class. He's sitting there, everything's totally normal. Until a man wearing a ski mask walks into the class, pulls out a gun, and points it at the teacher. Jesse jumps up. This is his favorite teacher, right? Had this been the woodshop teacher, he probably would have been a little slower, but this was his favorite teacher. Jimmy jumps up and knocks the gun out of the dude's hand. But this guy in the ski mask has a backup plan, like most maniacs do. 
he pulls out a knife and begins stabbing Jimmy to death. And as Jimmy gets stabbed multiple times and he falls to the ground and starts bleeding out as his vision becomes blurry, as his life is leaving his body, he sees the man on the ski mask pick the gun back up and shoot the teacher multiple times. If I had that dream, that would upset me. I think if that if, if most people had that a dream, it would be really upsetting. But our dreams don't normally tell the future. So to Jimmy, that really set off alarm bells. He had the dream again. And he smuggled a knife onto campus that day. Like he was preparing for it because of his past experiences with his dreams telling the future. He, he brought a knife to school, which is in, in most, if not all, school districts, instant expulsion. He brought a knife to school. He was afraid that the dream was going to become real. Can you imagine going to school that day? I mean, it was bad enough him having to go to school and get beat up, but to think that he may be murdered by just some stranger... And then his favorite teacher gunned down. He brought a knife to school. And what's interesting is he said that that wasn't the last time he had the dream. He brought the knife to school the second time he had the dream. But he said in total he had the dream four times. Which kind of fits the pattern. He had the dream four times. The fourth time he had that dream... He's sitting there in class. See, I don't think the dream version knows about the... I don't think the... You know what I mean? Like, I don't think when he's sitting there in the dream goes, Oh, this is just a dream. And I've had this dream a couple times before. I know what's coming. Like, each time Dream Jimmy has the dream, it's new to that Jimmy. But (laughs) the wide awake Jimmy who's sweating profusely when he wakes up He realizes he's had this dream multiple times, and he knows what that means. But anyways, in this last dream, the fourth time he had this dream, he's in the classroom. The man in the ski mask bursts through the door, points the gun at his teacher. Jimmy jumps up, knocks the gun out of his hand, and the man then pulls out a knife and stabs Jimmy. Plunges the knife right into his chest. The man then picks up the gun, points it at the teacher, and shoots her. But this time, Jimmy is somehow able to get to his feet, pull the knife out of his own chest, and slit the man's throat. That dream never became a reality. And he never had a dream of the future after that. What a fascinating story. I, I found this online. Of course, it could totally be fake. It could it could, have, could have been a made-up account. It didn't seem like it to me. Like I said, a lot of times I go through these people's past posting history to see if they are constantly talking about one-of-a-kind paranormal events, and that's like, oh, on Tuesday, then this happened. Like, 
you, I, you, obviously, I've been fooled. We've talked about that on the podcast before. I've been fooled by stuff. But it, to me, it's always interesting when they post something like this on a paranormal board, and then everything else they're just talking about, like video games or memes and things like that. It does add some sort of legitimacy to it. And I'm wondering, I mean, there's, there's so many ways we can look at this. I think kind of my takeaway from the whole thing is that this dream was going to happen. The teacher and him were going to get killed in real life. And I think it's interesting that the man was wearing a ski mask because it would it renders the viewer of the future more powerless. Like, obviously, if he had a dream and he saw a guy walk in and he could totally recognize his face, and this was his favorite teacher, maybe he could trust the teacher and say, hey, do you know anybody who has, like, a black buzz cut and, like, and like a cartoonishly large mustache? And she goes, oh, yeah, my ex. I used to date this guy. He's a total lunatic. How did you know what my ex looked like? Have you been stalking my Facebook, Jimmy? If there, if he could tell what the person looked like, it would be easier to at least kind of prepare for in the sense that if it was Arnold Schwarzenegger coming through, you're like, oh no, he's going to go commando style. He's going to bring in a bunch of machine guns. I think that, you know, if she, if he could describe the person, it would be much more, you could convince people because then people go, that yeah, we had an ex-employee. He looked like that. Yeah, that was my ex-husband. So on and so forth. You could also figure that the man in the ski mask wasn't necessarily a person, but an idea, right? In the sense that it wasn't it wasn't that an idea was going to come in and shoot her. It was just going to be some sort of random act of violence. The person may have actually come in wearing a ski mask. And it could have just been a maniac. It could have been nothing metaphorical about it. It could have just been a lunatic in a ski mask. And I'm wondering if the reason why the future was different, they were able to change it because the first time they could get everything down to the exact detail, they would remember standing in line to go into school and they knew who was going to be in line before them and after them. They had already seen it four or five times in a row at night. And then when they're standing in line to go into class, they're like, great, this I know how this is going to end because I know exactly how this line is made up. I mean, get it down to the exact detail. The dreams are that vivid. And then this dream, somehow, they're able to change the ending in the dream. And that might have been the issue that Jimmy was having all along. He was constantly trying to change the reality to be different than the dream. The key was to change the dream to change reality. And you could look at it as him predicting the future. You could also look at it as him manifesting the reality where he is bullied and beat up. A big part of manifestation, a big part of law of attraction is the subconscious, is the moments before we fall asleep and the dreaming itself. You will, if you want to look at, I mean, there, there, you can't say there's really any proof for the law of attraction, but I always think it's so fascinating when you hear about Marshall Mathers sitting in his trailer and he has covers of the Source magazine all around his walls and his ceilings. And every night before he went to bed, young Marshall Mathers would sit there and think about 
hip-hop stardom. A while back, I got in touch with this true crime podcaster who hit the big time. Hit the big time. He's making a lot of money in the true crime field. And I asked him, I, I go, I go, you know what? I practice the law of attraction myself. And one of the things about the law of attraction is to not dwell on dark things. That's a big part of it. And I go, but yet I, I, I'm a true crime podcaster myself. And I talk about the paranormal ghosts and everything like that. I go, how do you balance the two? First off, I go, do you believe in the law of attraction? I go, how do you balance the two? It was super interesting what he said. He goes, I do believe in the law of attraction. He goes, what I would do, honestly, is I would lay in bed and every night before I go to sleep, all I would think about, and he goes, like, I was living in a basement. I was living in a basement. I was sitting on the ground, basically in a gunny sack. He's far worse off than I am. And I'm not that bad off. I have a great place. But he goes, I, you know, I would lay there on the, I would lay there on the hard ground as the cockroaches scrambled all over me. He goes, I would sit and imagine what life would be like if I was a professional podcaster. First thing I would buy would be a bed. So that time is super important. That time before sleep leads into what we dream of. You may not think so, but your subconscious is constantly firing off in the background, even though your dream may be about you swimming in a can of SpaghettiOs with, I don't know, Christina Ricci. Your subconscious is going to be, maybe that is your subconscious. Maybe you're like, how did he know my fetish? No. Your subconscious is constantly going in the background. And I'm wondering if that he may have been manifesting the bullying. And he may have been very close to manifesting his own murder and the murder of his favorite teacher. But he was able to stop that at the last minute, right? The dreams normally went. For a couple of days, this was on the fourth night he was able to stop it. It's a fascinating story, and it asks a lot more questions than it answers. What are dreams? Can they tell the future? Like, that's a whole that's a whole paranormal belief in and of itself. Are dreams symbolic, or do they mean more than that? Is there actually a structure behind the dreams? Are there warnings? Can you use dreams to achieve your dreams in the real world? And if that's true, can nightmares also become reality? It's all fascinating questions, but to Jimmy, it's a little more than just a theory. He knows for a fact that sometimes dreams do come true. He was so certain of that fact that when he began dreaming of his own murder. He knew he had to change the future. Or he wouldn't have one. It's almost like all of those beatings paid off. Had he not had any dreams that told the future before. Would he have paid attention to this one? All of those nightmares that turned his days into dread, actually ended up saving Jimmy's life. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be your email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash DeadRabbitRadio. TikTok is at DeadRabbitRadio. DeadRabbitRadio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day. I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great weekend, guys. 